This is a rebroadcast of my radio show, Astrology Today, which aired on CJMP 90.1 FM, Powell Rivers Community Radio Station. Welcome. You are listening to Astrology Today, coming to you live from the beautiful Sunshine Coast and Powell River, which is situated on the traditional lands of the Klahomin Nation. I will be your host, Maureen Reed, and I'm here all by myself. Yuck. Unfortunately, our local community here on the peninsula we have had COVID come to visit. Yikes. Therefore, it's just me in the studio. And um, as you may know, I have kind of shifted up my format. And so just a reminder, if you're wondering, you know, where the planets are these days, uh, you can check out episode number 45 for all of the particulars on September. Uh, And that also includes where the moon is cycling through the signs. And just as a reminder, did did any of you notice the Mars station on the 9th? Um, As I have been talking about quite a bit this summer, um, Mars is traveling through Aries, started way back in the end of June, and will not leave Aries until January and so we all have to get used to this fiery guy in his happy place adding a gasoline to everything and as I look out the studio window unfortunately that gasoline seems to have turned into major fires here on the west coast which is not good not good but have you any Mars stationing stories. I know for myself, I have been kind of on bit of pins and needles for the last few months wondering just what might happen uh, because it actually stationed right on my ascendant. But one trip and fall is all I have to report. Yay! (laughs) At least so far. Um, Yeah, So, and the other interesting uh, thing to make note of is, as I reported last two episodes ago, I guess, um, this is a time when uh, irritation, if movement is thwarted, gets really thick. Okay, so Mars likes to be combative, hostile, aggressive, competitive you know like assertive Um, it likes to get things started it loves speed Um, and compromising is only a concept and one that he's truly never heard of Um, and so you know bear that in mind and um, coming up by the end of the month the pressure on that is going to be kind of reach a fever pitch Um, and Yeah, so finding ways to um, encourage your own patience (laughs) or finding ways to dispel that irritation that doesn't involve ripping anything off and spitting in any kind of hole. Um, I think you know what I mean. (laughs) 
Okay, so where can you send those stories? Uh, please email me at Maureen, and I spell it different, M-O-R-E-E-N, at cardinalastrology.ca. And uh, a special note also today, Jupiter will station and turn direct at 5.40 p.m. Despite this upward trend in cases of COVID, many will feel an unlikely change of heart towards hope. Yay! We have a rudder and an anchor in life, and this just might be a new appreciation of we are all in this together. Okay, now, on the show today, um, actually, I've just come back from a wee bit of a holiday in which I had an opportunity to listen to some uh, podcasts from astrologers, and I got struck particularly by one, and um, I'm going to follow a thread. I'm weaving together a few of these podcasts that I listened to. And it goes as follows. Okay, question. How can a sign describe everyone born during the sun's passage through it? Right? Like, all Virgos are not the same. True, right? There are many levels of meaning that astrologers have at their disposal. And they are still being explored and will continue to explore layers. Okay, so let's review the primary layers. The most obvious layer, the sun, the earth, and the moon. The relationship of those three moving bodies gives us day and night. It also gives, in astrology, the angles of the chart. So because the sun rises in the east, culminates, and sets, that gives us our angles. So where it rises is the first where it culminates is the 10th, where it sets is the 7th, and where it reaches its, um, there is a word for this, and it's just gone out of my head. Oh, well, the IC, the bottom, okay? So those three pieces are sort of the easiest and obvious layers that astrologers look at. Now, the next layer involves the planets that are encompassed by those three the sun, the moon, and the earth. And that would be Mercury and Venus. They are within the orbit. In other words, they're closer to the sun than us and are seen as personal signatures. In other words, the nuances of your own character. Okay, Mercury, obviously, the way the mind works. Venus, the way that we want to relate, what we, ha what we value. Okay, now outside of Earth's orbit, we have the next level, which is Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn. Um, these two are also visible, but outside the interpersonal level. So they're like from the Earth out, it's where we have to start connecting, okay? Uh, you and them, the interactions of being with family slash community, etc. Mars, obviously the um, assertive, standing up and saying, I'm here and I'm doing X. Jupiter is that sense of wanting community and Saturn setting boundaries, okay? But Saturn also is sitting on an edge and he is sitting on the edge of the next layer, which is the outer planets. 
There, you have to have aids in order to see them, a telescope. And so they represent the level that is beyond our personal experience. And for many years, astrologers here in the West, we tried to plug them into that inner world. In other words, <clears throat> excuse me, we tried to give them uh, rulerships over certain signs um, and, you know, like to make them part of the psyche, sort of like um, uh, the next level of awareness. But that has under, undergone a lot of criticism and a lot of discussion and uh, debate has happened. And so there is a whole camp, which I just recently sort of have joined, um, which has placed the outer planets outside of the basic personal experience and made it, uh, for some they will call it transcendental experience, but to me, it's, um, it, it, it does represent, they do represent moments where um, you are taken beyond your own experience. But whether that looks good or bad depends on your level of awareness. Okay, so that is another layer. And that, of course, would be Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto. Pluto, pardon me. Now, they're also in the last, 30, 40, 50 years, we've discovered a whole rash of other things within our solar system. Okay, and especially between Mars and Jupiter, we have a huge raft of asteroids. Matter of fact, it's even possible that if you find a site uh, that lists the names of named asteroids, you just might find your own name on one of them, because there are thousands. We do follow, and I will do an episode one day on some of the main asteroids that people do pay attention to, like Vesta and Pallas Athena. Um, there are a few that have been tracked and are studied and do seem to have some relatively useful information that they can add to a chart. Okay, the other floating guy who is taken on a very strong impression uh, that most astrologers use now is Chiron. Now Chiron, I'm not sure what the astronomers call it, whether they call it a planetoid like they do Pluto now, or whether they just look at it as a captured asteroid, I'm not sure. It is, does not fall in that asteroid belt between uh, Mars and Jupiter. Rather, it bridges, it comes out as far as the, the orbit of Uranus, and it falls within um, closer to the Earth than the orbit of Saturn. And it takes about 50 years to do its loop around the Sun. And so, again, um, it's... Uh, it's kind of current tagline is the wounded healer and where it is found in your chart has can have some very significant implications so a nuance again i will likely devote a show entirely to chiron and what we're able to see from that okay but that's that's our little solar solar system spiraling around a galaxy and phew, there are billions of galaxies. Okay. 
After the visible are probably, and probably before the wanderers, the planets in our solar system, were discovered, we had stars. In a world without secondary light pollution, this heavenly view would have been loud and mind-boggling. And as it turns out, some of those stars do indeed impact folks on this humble planet. The stars were named and patterns were drawn and the whole night sphere has been mapped into constellations. The group of constellations that the sun's path follows evolved into the 12 signs of our zodion, that's Greek, or zodiac. And here in the West, we created an eloquent, eloquent system based on the tropical view. And by that, it's sort of the, the equinoxes, the solstices in defining our year. So the sun-earth relationship uh, created 12 equal sized signs because as we know, and astronomers still believe that we don't know this, but we do, the constellations aren't unified by any stretch of anyone's imagination. Um, some of them are span more than 30 degrees, some of them are smaller than 30 degrees, and there's other constellations that kind of, um, you know, try to cross into uh, the band that's called the elliptic, which is the apparent path of the sun past the fixed stars that it travels on during the course of a year, and of course, we have to reverse that from an astronomer's point of view, it's the Earth. But we see it from here. Okay, so our little system is also moving, uh, moving around a big galaxy. And so things like the pole star changes. And what looked like fixed stars will move against our tropical system. And again, this is an illusion based on the fact that we're looking at it from the Earth's point of view. Okay, um, and it creates what is called the procession of the equinoxes. Okay, so from Google, direct quote, the procession of the equinoxes refers to the observable phenomena of the rotation of the heavens, a cycle which spans a period of approximately 25,920 years, over which time the constellations appear to slowly rotate around the earth, taking turns at rising behind the rising sun on the vernal equinox. Okay, you got that? So everybody would notice on the day of the vernal equinox, what was the constellation that was rising? And it turns out that the constellation slash degree on the 360 wheel that we set our tropical zodiac against, okay, one degree change every 72 years approximately, okay? Now this also gives rise to um, the whole idea of the ages, right? And of course we are currently supposedly in the transition if it doesn't already started, and many believe it has. We're transiting 
Okay, and this is backwards. We've come out of the age of Pisces and we're going into the age of Aquarius. Okay, now, there are, so as you can well guess, the road I'm walking down today has to do with all those amazing big fixed stars out there. And there's a lot, but not all of them were put into star patterns, into constellations, and not all of them um, have a lot written or have been studied by astrologers, but some of them have been. Okay, so here are some of the references that I drew upon. Okay, so the first one is, and I will put up, I didn't get it done this morning, but I will put up a list of sites to go to if you want to explore this topic even further. And I will put up a list of uh, Bernadette Brady's uh, stars that she talks about. Uh, her books are considered the best on fixed stars. Okay, so we have constellationofwords.com. Uh, we have darkstarastrology.com, which I found very useful. Um, and it, uh, they look at, okay, how the stars themselves, what kind of energy that they are uh, bringing into a picture. And the picture is typically with either one of the angles, first, tenth, seventh, or fourth, or a planet, whether, you know, the sun is aligned, obviously every year on a specific star on a specific day, or the moon, or any of the other planets. Okay, and it does bring a color. So in one of the uh, podcasts that I listened to, this one was from Austin Kopic, who I highly recommended. Before he started it, he recited a bit of a prayer to the stars, and it goes like this. With holy voice, I call the stars on high, pure sacred lights and genie of the sky, celestial stars, the progeny of night, in whirling circles, beaming far your light. Reflugant rays around heavens ye throw, eternal fires, the source of all below. With flames significant of fate ye shine, an aptly rule for men a divine path. In seven bright zones ye run with wandering flames, and heaven and earth compose your lucid frames. With course unwearied, pure, and fiery bright forever, shining through the veil of night. Hail twinkling, joyful, ever wakeful fires, propitious shine on all my just desires. These sacred rites regard with conscious rays and end our worlds devoted to your praise, or end our works devoted to your praise. So this also calls upon a fact that astrology and magic have been intertwined for centuries. And so there are, um, it's talked about in a more sort of out front and open way in Jyotish, which is uh, the astrology from India. Uh, but 
here in the West, in you know, sort of the medieval times and through the Renaissance, and there was ritual magic that was used in conjunction with understanding where the stars were and where the planets were. And so talismans is a thing. It's being revived in a ooh, an intense way, more so than 20 years ago when I was, you know, sort of on the periphery of astrological circles, as I realize now. Um, you know, so since then, this whole astrological magic combo has been uh, revived um, a lot. And again, something else I will look into uh, for the benefit of my audience. Okay, so one of the biggest connections that is made between stars is with the moon. Okay, uh, because she gives the light at night and that's of course when we see the stars. And so she is said to be a bridge. It's the go-between. It brings the food and the light from the stars. It receives them to give on to the planets. Okay, and um, it's like reflecting, transmitting, receiver of star energy. So one of the ways to get to know uh, the stars is the the moon will align with all of the major stars that astrologers pay attention to, obviously, every month. And so it's very easy to um, begin to build a relationship with some of uh, the prominent stars that astrologers have followed and that do have obvious impacts into charts. Okay. So the other way that the moon and the stars have been uh, looked at and studied um, is through what are called lunar mansions. And because the moon takes 27.3 days to take a trip around, um, there are typically 27 lunar mansions, but to make up for the fact that that point three exists, uh, sometimes there are 28 lunar mansions. Now, I didn't walk down that wormhole yet, uh, but anyway, so... Uh, and in the east, they're called nakshatras, and they are the moon-star relationship. Now, it was in ancient times considered the moon, although we see it as a feminine energy, yin, uh, back then they considered it male. Okay, and so, and maybe the stars were all women. Oh, I like that idea. Okay, so the male god would visit his 27 wives. And so you would take 360, divide it by 27, you get so many degrees, and that would be a block of stars or possibly just one major star. And so the male goes, visits the feminine star. Uh, they have fruitful congress, okay? And so mediate, bring down that star energy. Okay, so from a magical perspective, uh, that's one way that you can use the energy of a star. Uh, but they also appear to very directly impact uh, into natives charts uh, when they are in conjunction 
with a planet or an angle. And so this is, it's a different kind of energy than what is uh, within our little tidy solar system and that level that most astrologers study and, you know, pass on information to clients. And so this is adding this outer, you know, go forth and beyond, I don't know, <laughs> the Star Trek moment into astrology. Anyway, okay. So the stars are a system of their own. Um, okay, so, and are considered that they might be the roots of the planets and that they feed them, okay? Planets literally are children of our star, the sun, okay? So you see that kind of relationship? Now, in order to plot um, a star into a chart, obviously they all, um, all, all of the big bright stars don't necessarily line up with the path of the elliptic which is uh, where we see the planets traveling. And so what is done is a longitudinal line is brought down to the elliptic from the position of the star. And that gives us our indication of whether or not it's lining up with a particular planet in a particular place. Okay, the other way that it is done um, is if when the planet rises on the day that you were born, is there a star rising over the um, horizon at the same time? And so that differentiates as well because we all don't live on the equator. Um, and so, you know, a certain planet and star combo might rise at the equator, but here at 50 degrees, it, it might be an entirely different star. Okay, so those those rising are and culminating and setting actually are looked at. Okay, so what does a star do? It supercharges a planet, it feeds it. Now, in the discussion that I listened to with Austin Kopic, he only, he has a very tight margin, um, only if the star is within maximum three degree orb, uh, or and less, right? He really likes it if it's one degree. Okay, and what he suggests is that you pick one, a star, a fixed star that, um, I don't know, you're attracted to, I guess, yeah? Anyway, and um, spend some time with it. In other words, spend time when the moon is conjunct that star. Uh, spend time looking at the charts of people who are directly impacted by that star. And he started with descriptions of kind of the four, some of the four brightest stars that have been tracked throughout history. And they're called the royal stars, the four watchers. Um, they also happen to be relatively close to the elliptic. Okay, so easy to follow. And one has just recently switched signs, and that is the star Regulus, who had been, for the last 2,000 years or so, been in the sign of Leo, but now is um, in the tropical sign of Zero Virgo. Okay, so our happy Virgo group. And so if you were born 
Uh, at the beginning of the sign of Virgo, you too may have Regulus beaming into your life. Okay, so Regulus. In the literal constellation, he is literally the heart of the lion. Okay. Um, and what he confers is superstar, fame, and kingship. Very power, powerful, uh, powerfully granting visibility. Um, so he, he is likened to having a really strong sun, okay, in your chart. So obviously if it is the sun and it is aligned with Regulus, woo, yeah, bright and visible, it can banish melancholy, um, it wants to confer visibility, okay, so it can give a sense of internal brightness. Now, who in particular, um, and so I agree <laughs> with Austin that not to run down the rabbit hole called Donald Trump, but guess what? His ascendant is aligned with the star, the royal star, Regulus. And so that kingliness um, obviously has worked for him. And, but it also points out that stars are not uh, moralistic, okay? So their energy is something that we must mediate into something useful and not something infamous. So, you know, your visibility could be of the infamous style as well. So one of the examples uh, is J.K. Rowling's and her Mercury is aligned with Regulus. Um, the other one is that was mentioned was um, Microsoft Bill Gates. Okay, so the most v visible uh, nerdy tech guy that we all know, right? And that's his, I don't know if it's his son. I'm not sure. I'd have to look at that. Okay, so um, the trick with Regulus apparently is to leave out revenge, okay? Um, and in that way, you know, you, you're channeling that point of being out there in the world in a positive way. So, you know, with the revenge piece, it sort of made me think, hmm... Will there be people that a certain Donald Trump has stomped on or <laughs> regulated to the sideline? Yeah, it kind of makes you wonder. That revenge piece hmm, could come back and bite him. Okay, now the next uh, royal watcher, and these literally form a cross, you know, like a pseudo cross in the sky. Okay, so that one, Regulus is at zero Virgo. Uh, the next one is Antares, and he's at 9 Sag, so it's about 90 degrees. Okay, this is a red star, and it is the red star in the heart of the Scorpion constellation. Um, and uh, this guy is looking for a fight. Okay, so it's tiger blood, a warrior's willingness to get in and fight. Um, and so this is one of the classic images that would go with Antares is the boxer. And um, he wants to prevail. 
Uh, and so he will get right up close and personal. He'll get in the danger zone. He will take the fight to you. <clears throat> okay, so he's a brawler, ferocious. He is equipped for front line. So one can see where, given the chart, where this might be useful. And also given the chart where, yeah, this might not go down so well. <laughs> so a difficult energy to handle. But if you need somebody to be on the front lines, taking, you know, getting in there up close and personal, then you want someone who has, let's say, Mars or Saturn or you can think of a number of ones, the moon, that are aligned with Antares in order to just step up and do the work. Okay, the next one in the cross is Fomahot. F-O-M-A-L-H-A-U-T, Fomahot. And he's at four Pisces. Now, here we take an energy and go completely in a different direction. Okay, this is the star of the Poet Laureate. It's about magic. It can be about astrology. It can be about wizards, witches, and warlocks. It's imagination out of the box. And I happen to have a girlfriend who has full Mahat conjunct her son. Poetry in motion. Uh, dwelling or being abducted by fairies. Part of the matrix. The magical matrix. Uh, breaks all the rules. Okay. This is high octane fuel. And so getting this uh, poetry piece to function in a way that can be received by the rest of us, I can see where that could be tricky. But it amplifies. Okay. And that's what stars do. Okay. Now the last one is Aldebaran, and he's at nine degrees Gemini, a red light. Okay, so a red star. He's in the constellation of the of Taurus, and literally, it's the bull's eye. Okay, now this one again is tricky energy. Okay, um, it's the fierce getter done type thing. It remains on target, but what it wants to do is build, 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 build. Okay. And uh, Austin likened it to, so it's not like the bull in the sense that most bulls sit around, don't do anything um, until they're called upon. <laughs> um, this is more like beaver energy and it's very yang. Okay. So these folks will produce and will continue to produce and probably produce until the day they stop. <laughs> Okay, so those are the four royal watchers. And again, let's just list them off here. So, zero Virgo for Regulus. Okay, uh, nine degrees of Sagittarius for Antares. Eldebaran is nine Gemini, and Fulmahat is four Pisces. So again, if you've got a moon calendar or access to an ephemeris, 
you can um, track these stars. And I might just add that to my monthly podcast when um, the moon is going to be passing by these the four royal watchers, if you want to bring that energy in. Okay. Now, in Virgo... Um, we actually have a few fixed stars. And uh, so I wanted to talk about those. And if I have time, I will talk about there's one guy who is just very, very difficult. Um, and again, if I have time, I'll come back to that star. But here are a few tips. If I can bring this up on okay where are we here zoom there we go okay so we want to go up so that i can read it yay there we go okay so learn one star at a time okay start with the game changers which are the four royals, and uh, there are also a group called, um, let's see, what are they called again? They are called the Bahenians, so B-E-H-E-N-I-A-N-S stars. Those are the game changers. And so learn one at a time. Uh, watch again when the moon conjoins them. Okay, and then obviously the sun will conjoin them basically on the same given day every year. Uh, so when the sun reaches the four royal watchers, you know, your zero Virgo, your nine Gemini, etc. Okay, be prepared to pay attention to what kind of energy is coming in. All right, but for this month, I thought I would look at obviously the Virgo ones okay so Regulus will be you'll be dealing with it if you were born uh, August 22nd 23rd or 24th you will have Regulus um, okay and what was interesting is when I looked at um, you know I looked at lists as I always do of people who have particular things and Rennie Levesque <laughs> was one of the people who had um, uh, Regulus conjunct his son. And um, he wasn't in a tall, you know, he wasn't completely successful for with what he wanted to accomplish, but he was definitely well known in Quebec and in Canada. Okay, so the next one is Thuban, T-H-U-B-A-N, and he's at seven degrees of Virgo. He's in the Draco constellation, okay, and uh, he can cause a few problems, okay? Um, he can be heartless, adulterous, okay, have few friends. He was the polar star 3,000 years ago and was called the Judge of Heaven, um, and so jealously guarding is the energy that a person has to be very careful with if they are aligned with Thuban. And the, one of the people that I found that I actually recognized was Gertrude Stein. Okay. Now the next big star is Dembola, D-E-N-E-B-O-L-A. 
and that's at 21 degrees of Virgo, so that's still coming up. Um, this one is forward-looking, attributed to being out of step with the mainstream, not conforming, an element of uniqueness, seeing the world through different eyes. Okay, so um, the next one is Alkes, A-L-K-E-S, and that's at 23 Virgo. This is the vessel that holds life to carry something precious. It gives a kind, generous, cheerful, receptive, passionate, hospitable nature. Ooh, I like this one. I'll have to look up who we have out there that has this. Okay, good mental abilities, subject to apprehension and indecision sometimes. There is a disordered life full of sudden and unexpected events. Okay but kind, generous, and cheerful. Yay. Okay. It's also been said that through some preciousness carried by an individual to pass down from the generations of the family, like an artistic capacity, musical, or psychic ability, uh, Elke's talent is usually of a Neptunian nature. The creativity may come as a result of having to adapt and cope with an unsettled childhood. William Wordsworth, poet, okay, and then I also found a guy called Michael Milken, who is a fraud, went to jail, so, hmm, Neptune. Okay, so let's, I did give uh, some timings here for when the moon was going to be with these stars, so Regulus, noon, September the 15th, Thuban, midnight on the 15th, Denbala, midnight on the 16th, and Elkies will be coming up with the new moon on September 17th. It happens, the direct conjunction's one hour before the new moon, which is at 4 a.m. So that one you'd have to get up pretty early in the morning <laughs> to do that. Okay. Now I see I have some time, so what am I going to do with it? We are going to look at some people. Oh, I know, I have time. I will go back and talk about the bad boy. We have one star that we all hope not to find in our chart. Um, and he is considered uh, the toughest of all. And this is called Caput Agol. So C-A-P-U-T space Elgol, A-L-G-O-L. He's very close to the Palladians in Taurus. And so the, the orbs that uh, Chris Kopic talked about have to be narrow because Algol is very close to the Palladians. And obviously there is a distinct shift in energy between those two. So, uh, this one is considered the most evil fixed star in the sky. Apparently, there are legions of stories and people um, that have piled up, most of them beheaded. Oh, dear. <laughs> okay, so images that go with Elgol is the Greco-Roman Medusa's head, right? This is the severed head, snake hair, um, 
and it is consider considered to be female, okay? Women and snakes is a very old symbol, um, and it's about sealing away their power. Uh, if you looked at Medusa's head, you would turn to stone. So um, there is something about looking at things that are very hard to look at. Okay, now in particular, um, the goddess Medusa, she was taken without consent, and so, and then she was blamed for what happened afterwards. So victim blaming is part of Kap Kaput Elgol. Okay, so disembodied, so disembodied from the civilized, um, separating out primordial energy, okay, exiled from creation. These are some of the themes. Also, there is, she's tied with Lilith, and Lilith has a story very much like Medusa. She must live outside of creation. Lilith rejects civilized and rejects being rule-bound. And so it has this headlessness. Um, and so those with strong algal, um, there, there is a primitive primal energy to it. Um, and the other piece that goes with it is unwilling to turn away from difficult, ugly, whatever. Picasso in particular uh, rose to quite a lot of fame with a painting that he did about a, uh, during the Spanish Revolution where uh, a particular town was just destroyed. And uh, Picasso painted a picture so that people would never be able to turn away from what had happened to that village. Okay, so this energy is considered easier to handle for women than it is for men. Um, it is the mediator between civilization and the primordial world. Um, what else is said? Okay, so an ancient goddess who was stymied and sealed away. It's almost like we need this particular energy to erupt out again in order to hmm, save our planet. So what will be very interesting is, okay, so where is Algol? Do you have it in your chart? Big question. Dun, 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 dun. It's 26 degrees of Taurus. So everybody run to their ephemeris, run to their charts, have a look. Do you, is Algol staring at her beady little eye at you about to turn you into stone? Okay. What I think is going to be tremendously interesting is when Uranus, who is currently cruising through Taurus, catches up to Algol. Um, Hmm, that could be a major shift in uh, our whole climate crisis slash environmental crisis slash, yes, we have COVID, but let's not all forget that we are also dealing with um, a collapse of the systems that will sustain us on this planet. Hmm, anyway, <laughs> on that positive note, no. <laughs> 
uh, it will be uh, worth considering, and I may just spend a little bit of time on uh, episodes like this one discussing various stars, and um, we might just spend a little time with El Goal. We'll see. So, just a reminder, you have been uh, listening to CJMP, Powell Rivers Community Radio Station. And this has been uh, Astrology Today. And I have been your host, Maureen Reed. And I will be back next week. Uh, As I have changed up my format, I'm not entirely sure what I'm going to talk about next week. But hopefully, one of the things I'm going to try is to set up my computer with the secondary microphone and possibly do Zoom in order to have people come and join me in our lockdown. Anyway, that's a possibility. In the meantime, take care, keep safe, keep your distance, keep your masks on, please. We have healthcare workers who are doing their absolute best in Powell River to keep us all safe and to help those who are not well. Bye-bye for now.